The following podcast has been paid for by the Drew World Order. Yo, hey, you're listening to the Drew World Order of Wrestling Podcasts. We have a solid show for you today. Talk about a couple of returns. We talk about women getting a focus in wrestling. Um, a couple of uh, debuts or re debuts. Um, I give my overall ratings of the shows this weekend wrestling on Raw and SmackDown, NXT, and AEW Dynamite. Uh, I have a couple of complaints for those shows. But uh, overall, uh, I hope you'll uh, enjoy this podcast. And let's get on to the news and notes segment, or what I like to call the Drews and Notes segment. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. The Drews and Notes segment is about the interesting information of the week in wrestling. And really the only thing I have here is the return of the Big Show. Um, this has happened multiple times. Big Show will pop up uh, two or three times a year. Um, of course, he's pretty tenured at this point. Um, he's 25 years in, I believe, uh, wrestling. Um, he's a bit older. I think he's in his 40s. So, uh, this is a good way to use Big Show. This is probably the way Big Show should have always been used as an uh, attraction. Um, and he's just been so overexposed that it's really not as big of a deal um, as it should be when he wrestles and when he shows up. So he's back. He uh, came back to help the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders against Akira Tozawa and all the Raiders or uh, all the ninjas, I should say. Um, and, uh, you know, it's good to see Big Show back. Still getting a nice payday. Uh, he looks pretty good. Looks like he's uh, slimmed out a little bit, um, which is good, especially, you know, on his joints and everything. He's a huge guy. He's a giant. So uh, anything to help uh, his health and further along his life is good, uh, just personally for him. Um but uh, otherwise, there wasn't really a spot in uh, the rest of the podcast for me to mention this. Um, I didn't necessarily love it. Um, it didn't necessarily like 100% catch my attention. But it also wasn't something where it was like, oh, like that's weird. Like, why is the big show back happen, help, helping out uh, the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders? I mean, there's the big ninja guy who's like over seven feet tall too so it makes sense but it's you know i was i wanted to put that in because big show deserves to get this uh recognition and then he was on the show later on helping out uh with christian he talked with christian and then he was in another segment with the street prophets and the viking raiders so it's good to see big show back and uh now we can get moving on to uh talking about more of raw and the rest of the week in wrestling in the What Drew Money segment. Money, 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 money. What Drew Money segment are my favorite moments in these shows in this week of wrestling. Uh, so I was just talking about Raw with the big show, so we'll continue on talking about Raw. Um, it was interesting with Randy Orton's promo this week at the beginning, beginning of the episode. Um, it kind of sounded like the Legend Killer was back, so I'm very excited about that. Legend Killer's 
always been my favorite Randy Orton character um, when he was just going through everybody. Mick Foley. Um, who else did he? Uh, Mick Foley's the the biggest um, the biggest one, the biggest rivalry, I should say. Um, Shawn Michaels. He went through a bunch of people. There was a whole list. He had a T-shirt. Which I wonder how much that T-shirt is now that it listed all the all the legends that he killed and the the uh, dates they did on like it was a band tour shirt um, and I really remember the Legend Killer character really coming to uh, uh, to a head with uh, the Undertaker at WrestleMania 21. That's one of my favorite matches ever. I think I've only watched it once. I saw it once live and it made such an impression. That's literally my favorite match. Um, I don't know if I want to watch it again. Like, I just have such good memories of that. I was so invested in the character um, of Randy Orton at that time. He was definitely my favorite at that time. Um, and I legitimately thought he was going to beat The Undertaker's streak, which that was really when the streak started uh, to become a main storyline of WrestleMania, uh, was with that Randy Orton match. So I love the Legend Killer character. I hope that the Legend Killer is back. The Vipers always been pretty cool but i just thought not as cool um and then uh, of course in that segment christian came back um this was an interesting little tease now it's got me wondering is christian really cleared to wrestle or um well i don't know he, he must be if he's on the no contact list see this is where it's confusing if he's on the no contact list Technically, he shouldn't be taking the punt from Randy Orton, which is what he did at the end of the show. And I really uh, love that whole that whole uh, segment. I, I enjoyed everything that they did with Christian um, contemplating Randy Orton's uh, challenge to have a match, and all these segments were good. There were multiple segments with Christian. Uh, it was like one by himself on the phone, then one with Big Show, one with Ric Flair. And then eventually at the end of the show, Ric Flair came out. He uh, tried to talk Christian down again, and Christian was still going on with the match. And Flair low-blowed Orton. Orton punted Christian. And then I love the aftermath of all of that. Orton was saying like he had to do it because he was getting in the way of... Um, his livelihood and I should have seen this coming um, because Ric Flair uh, always backed uh, Orton you know from the evolution days and then in the greatest match ever Rick picked Orton so um, I don't know why I didn't see it but this was a pleasant surprise like oh yeah man like of course that would happen it's the dirtiest player in the game Randy Orton's his guy I just loved that whole, everything that they did with Randy and Christian and Ric Flair um, being a little side side part in the whole, in the whole story uh, was awesome. But it'll be interesting to see if Christian is off the no contact list. Um, maybe they just decided like, oh, he can, he can do just this one little um, moment where he gets low blow, that's, you know, not terrible, and then Randy can do the punt, but they can do it, uh, they can show it from a camera angle where Randy really doesn't touch Christian at all, and Christian just sells it. So, I would be, uh, really excited to see Christian back, um, but, uh, I don't know, it just, it gets me excited. Um, the next thing I thought that was pretty exciting on Raw was the MVP Lashley-Lana divorce segment. Um, I thought all three of them were, were solid with their promos. Everyone was good. And it had lots of realism in it. Um, did uh, MVP cross the line a little bit with what he was saying to Lana? Eh, maybe. Um, or maybe they were just, you know, if it was all cleared. It, it, or maybe not. I don't know. I don't want to uh, assume. Hopefully it was with Lana, what he was saying. But um, she really showed a lot of... Uh, strength in it, talking uh, back to MVP and saying, like, oh, she's a woman, she should be uh, respected more, and then Bobby grabbed the mic from MVP and basically was just like, you know, you've been a distraction, Lana, and blah, 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 and I want a divorce. And uh, hopefully 
this is the end of that Lashley Lana storyline. That's that's back from all the way. Yeah, it goes all the way back to last year. Um, so it, it's kind of just been a floundering type of storyline. Like it's always there, but it's just like, eh, it's really not exciting. They had that wild wedding segment that was probably it was a big train wreck i think it's it was at that time the most watched wwe youtube video so like it got a lot of views but uh it was just like so bad that it was good but since then this storyline's kind of just been plodding along and I, i'm hoping this is the end of it uh moving on i really liked the seth rollins and Rey mysterio promo with uh dominic attacking seth rollins this was captivating. It was exciting. Dominic came in, got his uh, shots in, and then quickly ran away. And that's uh, really cool to continue the story with uh, Seth and Ray. Um, we'll see how much more um, Dominic is involved in the storyline, if he ends up uh, fighting Seth or not. Um, obviously, Ray is going to come back, and they're going to have a match. Seth and Ray will have a match, but... Uh, uh, I'm interested in seeing how much Dominic is involved in the storyline, if he actually gets in the ring, or if there's, like, some sort of tag match that happens, um, if they do it with, like, the Disciples with Austin Theory and, uh, Murphy. So we'll see. That, that, that's a interesting, uh, that's an interesting storyline they got going on with Seth. And Seth's been great in that Monday site, Monday Night Messiah gimmick. Um, so, that, that, with Seth and Ray. You really can't go wrong. They're both great. Um, I did like the idea with the champion take-all match. Uh, it's different. You usually don't see it. Um, it's been done before, but not a lot. Where a um, uh, champion comes into a match, and he has to, it's a tag match, and uh, he has to defend his title, and whoever wins the match, goes uh, goes out the champion. So Drew McIntyre uh, went in, and uh, his WWE Championship was put on the line uh, as he tagged with R-Truth versus Bobby Lashley and uh, MVP. Um, and, of course, uh, McIntyre and Truth won. But they were... Uh, those segments were awesome, too. This was a nice little um, strain throughout the... Uh, show as well as the Drew McIntyre and R-Truth segments where R-Truth was being funny and McIntyre was the foil, the very serious, um, uh, straight, straight, uh, character for the comedy segment. And, uh, yeah, it just worked. Truth is so good and so outlandish and McIntyre played his role very well as the straight man in it. Um, so that was all very entertaining. I also liked the Iconics promo on Raw challenging Sasha, Sasha Banks and Bailey for the uh, women's tag team titles. This was different than their usual shtick. The, usually the Iconics are pretty comedic, and this wasn't uh, super comedic. Um, it was more of their serious side, which is good. When you're a comedy character, like our truth is, like the Arcan I Iconics are, you have to have that... Uh, um, that showing of being serious um, and being taken serious um, every once in a while, just so the audience knows that, hey, these people may be funny, but they're still a threat in the ring. Um, I enjoyed that, and I enjoyed the Natty and Lana backstage segment, uh, too. So a lot of women got uh, a good amount of time on Raw, and um, Natty was uh, frustrated and embarrassed with her situation of losing, and she was lashing out Liv Morgan for their loss. Um, and Lana was saying, like, how she's embarrassed because she's, you know, just got divorced and uh, or is getting divorced. And uh, I just really like the planting of seeds um, here because it looks like there's something going to happen with Natty and Lana if they're going to team up and um, try and... Uh, try and fix their, um, losing ways, or, you know, their, uh, frustrated ways of, uh, what's going on, and, uh, another women's segment that was good was the, uh, uh, Asuka and Nia Jax, um, 
match. I thought this had a clever ending. The match was fine, but the ending is really what uh, uh, I really enjoyed. Um, the, the, the ref got pushed um, by uh, Naya, and then Asuka quickly rolled up Naya, and uh, the referee, John Cohn, was going to disqualify Naya for pushing him, but then he saw the roll-up, and he runs over and does a quick count, and Asuka wins. I think this should have been the finish to the pay-per-view. Um, I think it would have get, gotten the same exact uh, response uh, as the pay-per-view um, no contact or no contest finish did, um, where they both got counted out. So th this would have been just fine to continue the storyline at the pay-per-view. Um, and it was a much more satisfying, uh, finish to a match as well. Um, speaking of satisfying, let's go and move to AEW. I've been talking a lot about Raw and WWE, so let's switch it up for a moment and talk about AEW Dynamite from this past Wednesday. AEW Dynamite's first hour I thought was really, really good. Not that the sec second hour was bad. Um, it wasn't. It was fine. Um, but the first hour really had me captivated. I really enjoyed uh, Britt Baker passing the notes to Tony Schiavone for him to read out loud to the audience, and then uh, Big Swole stealing the Rolls Royce and uh, putting Britt in a dumpster. That was a good uh, strain throughout the episode. Um, I believe the Britt and dumpster thing happened in the second hour. Um, but Britt's been really, really good playing her role model character. I like their dynamic uh, with Tony Schiavone and uh, getting Big Swole a uh, storyline to invest in is as uh, good as well. She's really kind of just been uh, out there, um, hasn't really been involved in anything. So it is nice to see her getting into a more in-depth storyline. And uh, I'm going to assume there that uh, AEW is going to continue to do stories like this with Britt while she recovers. Um, so, and she said she'd be back before All Out, uh, which is still a couple months away. Um, but I like that they're keeping her on TV and they're coming up with unique things for her to do every single week to keep her fresh and to continue to build her character. Um, I liked a lot of the women's stuff on uh, AEW as well. Like I did on Raw, I liked a lot of the women's stuff on, uh, excuse me, on Dynamite as well. Um, the spotlight put on Anna Jay was good. Uh, Jay had the uh, get-to-know video before, and then Abaddon, 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 I don't know how to say her name, Abaddon, uh, she came out. And she is wild looking, to say the least. Uh, her entrance had cool effects, um, kind of like hypnotic type of an effect. Um, and I thought it was cool that she got the win. This was a nice little twist to the story. Um, you would have thought that uh, Anna Jay would have got the win because she had the Get to Know video and had the spotlight there. Um, but Abaddon gets the win, and... Uh, this now promotes both of them that they're, uh, I saw they both signed with, uh, AEW, and they both have a spotlight put on them, because Anna Jay got her get-to-know video, and it looked like she was gonna win, and then Abaddon wins and gets the upset, so she gets investment as a character, like, oh, okay, plus she has, you know, that crazy look with the makeup smeared all over her face, the red hair, the contacts, um, uh, the collared contacts, and uh, it's just a, a, a wild presentation, very unique presentation. Um, and I think the first time I saw her, I was like, what is this? Like, this is bizarre. And that's the point of it. It's supposed to be bizarre, and that's what you want in wrestling is you want to be different, you want to be unique. It separates her from everybody else. Really, really cool what they uh, did with both of these. And then... Uh, the Dark Order came out, and they continued the story with Colt Cabana. They gave Colt Cabana the envelope, and they helped Anna Jay to the back. Uh, they escorted her back. They helped her up and escorted her back to the dressing room, and I really 
think this is good to put a woman member in the Dark Order. That gives them more diversity, um, show like they're not just uh, this big male faction. No, that they're more uh, inclusive and that they're going to be impacting the show in total, not just the men's division, but the men and women's division. And if the Dark Order can continue to uh, recruit just a whole bunch of people, maybe not necessarily like the NWO, that got out of hand, but recruit people strategically, it'll help their presence throughout the show. And the Dark Order's been good. They've only had like one, maybe two segments uh, a Dynamite, but they're kind of just this like over-looming faction and group that's there and mysterious, and I really enjoy what they're doing. So that whole... Um, segment, that whole uh, segment, I should say, of programming was really good by AEW, from the Anna Jay video all the way to uh, her getting uh, escorted to the back by the Dark Order. I really enjoyed all of that. We can move on to what I really enjoyed on the other Wednesday night uh, wrestling show, which is NXT. And uh, right from the top, I enjoyed Brizango's Imperium, uh, Imperium parody entrance. Um, Brizango's just been doing these unique entrances with uh, different uh, uh, set pieces. Not necessarily set pieces, but they're different outfits. Like, they've come out as doctors and astronauts. Um, so this time they came out as Imperium. Um, and they remixed the Imperium theme, that, and it said Emporium on the Tron. So Emporium, like, you know, where, uh, like a dress Emporium, a uh, fashion Emporium, um, which goes along with the Brizongo characters. Um, they were the, they had the names Marsupial and Fabio. Um, this was just funny all around. Really, really funny. Um, Brizongo is great. They're uh, hilarious, and they can back it up in the ring, so they, that was really cool, um, I also thought Robert Stone, the Robert Stone situation was very funny, um, actually I thought a lot of stuff was funny, um, here now looking at my notes just briefly, there's a lot of funny stuff on NXT, and, uh, usually NXT is not super, um, comedic, um, it's more serious and wrestling based, so the Robert Stone stuff, uh, he looked like he was drunk. Uh, he was carrying around a brown paper bag. His clothes were all disheveled, and he didn't look good. And then uh, he puked into the ring, uh, which led to Aaliyah winning, and then he fell off the apron, and it was all just hilarious. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, that character, that's more entertaining for me than what he was doing with the, the Robert Stone brand stuff. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm even laughing about it now. It's just so ridiculous. Um, just thinking about, uh, <laughs> he was Robbie E. from the Bromance, and they kind of a comedic character, and now he's this Robert Stone, just, like, goofball. Um, I also enjoyed the Undisputed Era's therapy segment. This was highly entertaining, too. Really funny. Um, NXT needs more stuff like this, and I've talked about that in the last couple episodes of this podcast. Um, and you can see in this episode of NXT, WWE is really starting to do more entertainment uh, segments. And, uh, anyway, Roddy went to therapy. The therapist was, uh, Kyle O'Reilly. <laughs> and, uh, Bobby Fish and Adam Cole were there in the therapy session for some reason. I don't know. And then they started freaking out and saying that, uh, Roddy needs to face his fears of the trunk from Dexter Loomis. So, Roddy, they go and cut to, uh, Cole, Fish, and... Roddy going to a trunk, a car open with its trunk, or a car with its trunk open, and uh, Roddy's like, yeah, yeah, let's do that, and then he just sprints away, that was very, very funny, very, very interesting, and then NXT turned to a more serious side like they usually are, um, with it being more wrestling storyline, wrestling story based, um, the beginning of the second hour, there was the Adam Cole Finn Balor, Keith Lee, Johnny Gargano promo, which set up the champion versus champion match on July 8th. Um, 
the uh, only action Candace had line by Lee was good. Finn calling everyone marks and using inside terms was good. And I thought Johnny and uh, Finn were uh, the most entertaining out of all of it. Um, because uh, Adam Cole, he came out and he basically said, like, you know, I beat the dream. There's nobody else for me. I'm the best. Been the reigning champ for over a year. Blah, 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 blah. Then Keith Lee came out. Um, and they had just had an interaction the previous segment before backstage. Um, and basically, uh, Adam Cole and, uh, Keith Lee both said that, you know, they're gonna go after each other's title. Um, and then Johnny Gargano came out, and he was really, really good. I really like how he's been, uh, presenting himself in this new, uh, bad guy character. And then Finn Balor came out, and he, his new character's great as well, what he's been doing. So this was highly entertaining. I thought this is a very unique way to set up the champion versus champion match it's gonna be um let's see next week on nxt it'll be johnny gargano keith lee and um finn balor for the north american championship and then uh, whoever wins that match will go on to face adam cole on july 8th for the nxt championship so this is really, really good writing. Now it's two built-in matches already, two built-in segments, um, a story right here. And I was kind of left wondering uh, what they were going to do with both the champions anyway. Um, I'm interested to see what they're going to do after July 8th when it's winner-take-all and you have a North American champion and an NXT champion as the same person. Um, but for now, I'm just going to hopefully enjoy these matches and uh see where it goes from there uh of course i gotta talk about the cruiserweight title as well the other men's championship on nxt the uh escobar santos and drake maverick storyline actually really has me interested and excited in the cruiserweights and the cruiserweight title usually i don't care about the cruiserweights whatsoever um i don't watch 205 live none of that um but what they've been doing with the mass men and uh this faction um has really really been good they they took out drake maverick and this is going to continue the storyline uh really really good stuff from the cruiserweights here uh and uh santos and drake maverick specifically and then the show ended with um the women's tag team title match uh with sasha and bailey winning they beat uh, Tegan Knox and um, Shotzi Blackheart. And uh, I liked how Io Shirai came out at the end. Uh, after Sasha Bailey had won and were standing tall with their titles, Io came out, defended NXT, and ultimately this was the best way to uh, end the segment, end the show, because the spotlight should be on NXT talent. Um Women got a lot of spotlight. They were at least half the show was focused on NXT. So another show uh, this week, Raw, NXT, AEW, all very woman-heavy. Um, and uh, this was a great way to spotlight the women's division in NXT and NXT in general because it is NXT, so uh, NXT superstars should be coming out on top um, at the end of the show, and that's what Io Shirai did. Really, really great show, um, uh, showing, I should say. Really, really great showing from, um, uh, NXT, uh, women's division, and, uh, a lot of, a lot of NXT, actually. And NXT talent who also got the spotlight this week, uh, was, uh, now newly debuted SmackDown superstar Matt Riddle. Uh, this got an excited reaction from me because I was genuinely surprised. Of course, they've been doing the vignettes for Matt Riddle coming to SmackDown for a couple of weeks now. Um, but it was still a nice surprise. It happened during AJ Styles' championship uh, celebration. Uh, all the male superstars uh, were around the ring, basically, for this segment at the beginning of SmackDown. And then uh, AJ had Brian put the title around him and uh say congratulations then there was a little bit of back and forth and matt riddle came out challenged aj um 
just a general match, not a not an Intercontinental Championship match. Riddle got the win. I thought he looked good. He looked strong. Um, and then all the superstars who were surrounding the ring came came into the ring and were celebrating with uh, Matt Riddle. Very good endorsement for Matt Riddle to show the audience who didn't watch NXT. Uh, this is what this guy is about. He's a good guy. He's this laid-back, uh, chill person. Um, but uh, in the ring, he's he can seriously get it done because he has the MMA background pedigree. Um, and so he was uh, a good uh, moment in uh, SmackDown to start out the show. And you always want to start out the show with a bang. And I thought this was a solid start. Um, the Jeff Hardy interview was actually really good as well. I think Jeff is much better at this format than promos to get the story across. Uh, Jeff's promos are just, like, kind of weird. A little bit out there. He says things that are not as relatable to uh, people. He's, you know, charismatic enigma, so he is a little different. He says stuff like his synapses are firing and blah, 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 and, like, kind of this, like, existential stuff, um, but in this interview, it was really just, like, Jeff Hardy, the person, talking, and I really enjoyed how that storyline came across, um, with the, with Seamus that is continuing on, and that Jeff is going to try to overcome this bully and this another, uh, mountain in his, uh, in his life that he needs to, uh, uh, try to defeat, try to, uh, climb. Um, the best part of SmackDown for me was the, uh, Miz TV segment. The Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville promos were great towards each, each other. They were both really, really good. Sonya, super believable. She continues to improve. And Mandy was even good, too. Um, Mandy usually not as strong, um, on the mic or in the ring, really, as Sonya. Um, or at least hasn't been recently, Mandy really held her own, and, uh, it was, uh, it went pretty personal, um, and that's good, um, there was nothing that went, like, cross the line, um, but Sonya's just really been awesome, and, and Mandy really, really did good, and Miz and Morrison did a good job of just kind of laying out and letting the situation happen, so I look forward to more of this Sonya and Mandy storyline. They uh, went away from it for a little bit um, because uh, Sonya had her situation with Lacey Evans for a couple of weeks, but now they are back to it. And uh, SmackDown also did the same thing with Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman. Uh, Braun had his little hiccup with Miz and Morrison. Now Bray is uh, back to uh, torment Strowman. Uh, I really loved that, uh, the old Bray Wyatt came back. The, uh, Hawaiian shirt hat Bray Wyatt came back. This extends the story where Bray can lose again as this character, um, the old Bray Wyatt, and, and then Bray and Braun can have a match at SummerSlam where it's The Fiend versus Braun Strowman. So this is a good way to extend the storyline, build the storyline, and it'll be cool to see um, old Bray and his shtick uh, come back for a little bit. Uh, what uh, they're doing with Bray Wyatt and what he's doing has been great for the last year um, as this new uh, Funhouse, Firefly Funhouse Fiend character. And um, It kind of seems a little bit uh, like uh, what Matt Hardy's doing on AEW where Bray is shifting between these characters, um, and it's like a fluid movement, uh, it's not as segmented like Matt Hardy is, every single, uh, episode of, uh, Dynamite, it seems like Matt Hardy is switching characters multiple times, but with, the uh, Bray, it's one character, and then another character, kind of another show, and, uh, you know, the Fiend will pop up, but he's usually Firefly Funhouse Bray, but now he's gonna be old Bray Wyatt. It's just really intriguing stuff, and uh, that was a solid end to SmackDown. So they had a good beginning um, with the Matt Riddle segment. They had a good middle with uh, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville on Ms. TV, and then they had a good ending segment with uh, 
the old Bray Wyatt returning um, to uh, face off with Braun Strowman. Um, so I, I really enjoyed a lot of that on SmackDown. Um, I really enjoyed a lot of uh, NXT, Raw, and AEW as well. As you can tell by the segment, it was about a half-hour segment. Um, that's how you know it was a pretty good week in wrestling. But, of course, we have to get to some moments to complain about. Um, I do have something for every show. So let's get on to the negative and let's talk about these uh, moments in the Drew count. Has he got the fingers locked? No, he got out. I can't believe it! Nobody's ever kicked out of that! The Drew count segment are moments that I found to complain about in the shows in this week of wrestling. Uh, I uh, finished off talking about SmackDown uh, in the previous segment, so I'm going to continue talking about SmackDown. Um, so the beginning, middle, and end of SmackDown were good. Uh, you know, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and uh, 10 o'clock uh, hours were basically very good, or, you know, the segments that led up to those times. Um, but some stuff in the middle, not as great. Um, I'm uh, a little confused on... Uh, are not even confused, just, like, uh, wondering on, um, the Shorty G situation. Like, am I missing something with this, with the constant talking about his height and weight? Um, is this supposed to be a big deal? Is it supposed to build sympathy for Shorty G? Because at this point, I just find it stupid. Like, we get it. His name is Shorty G. You're, uh, hitting people over the head with this. Like, we know he's short. We know he doesn't weigh as much as other wrestlers, why are we continuing to um, uh, just like beat a dead horse here? So that didn't, I, I don't know, it doesn't uh, connect with me. Um, I wish they would kind of just let that go and let Shorty G um, do what he does in the ring because he's a great in-ring performer. He's pretty entertaining uh, promo-wise too. He's funny. We've seen a lot of stuff from American Alpha that he can do and when he was teaming with Shelton that he can do. He's a good character. He just needs uh, more of the opportunity to show that. Um, do I specifically like the Shorty G character? No, I don't think it really goes anywhere. I think it, he needs a restart and a refresh. But he's he's definitely making the best of it. Um, if he uh, wasn't on TV for a while and just came back as Chad Gable, I think would be better for him. But, you know, at least he's uh, using his TV time um, efficiently from, from what he has. Uh the other weird thing that I found on SmackDown was uh, Bailey and uh, Sasha Banks were on commentary during a men's tag team match. It was the Lucha House Party versus the New Day, and Bailey and Sasha just were on commentary for that. I don't really get why there was no story progressed at all. They were kind of just you know brash and annoying, like they're supposed to be. Um, they were fine. They did their jobs, um, and then. Uh, the match ended, there was a commercial break, then there was another segment, there was a backstage segment or something, I don't remember what happened, and then they came back to the announce desk, and uh, Bailey and Sasha were still there at the announce table, and Nikki Cross, oh, that's what it was, there was a, so the tag match with the New Day and Lucha House Party ended that Bailey and Sasha were on commentary for, then they did a segment with, uh, all of the other women on SmackDown uh, basically saying, like, you know, they deserve a chance at the uh, the SmackDown Women's Championship, and uh, they're sick and tired of Sasha and Bayley. Um, and then uh, then they, uh, then SmackDown went back to the commentary table, and there was <laughs> Sasha and Bayley who got attacked by Nikki Cross, because uh, that's where... The previous segment let off, uh, finished off because Alexa Bliss was like, where's Nikki? And they all started looking for Nikki. Well, here's Nikki. She's attacking Sasha, attacking Bailey, um, And this led to a Sasha and uh, Nikki cross match. I think they that WWE could have tweaked this a bit and could have just had Sasha and Bailey coming out for commentary. Um, like there was another match coming up. And Nikki still could have attacked them. They didn't need to be on commentary for the men's match because they really distracted from what the men's match was. Um, you know, those guys are working hard in the ring and they're trying to tell a story and 
their story's not getting told. Bailey and Sasha's story is getting told. I think there was just a little little bit of a mix-up and uh, wasn't all that uh, thrilled with uh, them being on commentary. And I also really wasn't thrilled with um, NXT, uh, with the women's finish um, of the Xia Li uh, Aaliyah uh, match. Um and I think maybe this was just, you know, by it was just a little bit of a botched finish. Um, Aaliyah rolled up Zaya, and then Zaya kicked out, and it looked like she wasn't supposed to. And Aaliyah had to re-roll her up and hold down Zaya Lee's arms for the pin. It just was, you know, a little clunky, a little off. Um, really no harm, no foul, but uh, something I thought was just a little, a little off. It didn't flow as much as it... Should have been. And then uh, there was the weird formatting where um, Tom Phillips was the only one at the desk for the announce table shots. But then there was Mauro, Ronello, and Beth Phoenix calling the matches with Tom Phillips. Um, and sometimes they were stepping on each other, especially at the end of the show. It sounded like Tom Phillips and Mauro Ronello were both trying to wrap up and sign off the show and... Uh, signals got crossed or or whatever that who was supposed to be signing off um because they're both play-by-play guys so technically you know Moro, it's nxt it's Moro to sign off which he did but it also sounded like tom was trying to interject and sign off because you know they're probably getting the countdown in their ears that you know they had to sign off um so i just thought that was a little weird because obviously uh um, these these shows were taped, so maybe Morrow and Beth couldn't make it at the time. I don't know. Um, but then they were calling it live, so maybe Morrow and Beth and Tom were in a studio, like in the Orlando uh, uh, Performance Center studio or in Stanford, Connecticut's uh, Titan Tower studio, calling the matches there live on Wednesday, calling the tape matches. Uh, I don't know. Just kind of weird. Weird formatting. Um, and, uh, um, going on to Raw, so I had mentioned the Zia Lee finish with Aaliyah, um, that didn't seem purposeful. The Apollo Crews finish on Raw was purposeful. He grabbed the ropes to win the match, uh, this is a really nitpicky thing for me that I came up with on Raw, and this is honestly the only thing that I found on Raw. Um, that's how good I, I thought Raw was. Um, this is a bad guy move, and he is a good good guy. So, um, I actually enjoyed this. Um, it's just, you know, it's off because he's a good guy. He shouldn't be grabbing the ropes to win. Um, it's not a good guy move. But, um... I think it deepens his character. Uh, it brings a lot of... Uh, uh, not a lot. It brings a little bit more gray, and maybe they're going to slowly turn Apollo Crews' uh, heel, which, if that's the case, this was very well done. Um, but for now, where he's a clear-cut good guy, uh, that gave me something to complain about for Raw. He shouldn't be grabbing the ropes. Um, and uh, I had the same scenario with AEW Dynamite. It was tough for me to find something on Dynamite that I really didn't um, like. The only thing I, I could come up with was every time just about that AEW moved off of the hard cam, uh, the hard camera that typically shoots the, the ring, um, when they went to the floor cameras... There was like a bleeping every single time almost on that ringside floor camera. Like, what was up with that? Almost every time. Like, who is swearing? What is going on? Plus, they they say, they swear on on Dynamite and it doesn't get bleeped. Like, I don't, uh, I don't get it. Like, uh, they can say some words or, or I don't know. I don't know what the scenario is. But, like, there was no bleeping at all. Uh, for any swearing on the hard cam, all of a sudden, at least like two or three times, I, I, I noticed when they went to that floor camera position, there was a bleep. And it's like, what are they bleeping out? Maybe they're bleeping out uh, the wrestlers calling spots in the ring. I don't know. It's It, would, it, it was just weird to me. Just, uh, just something that was a little off. Um, 
But that that's really all I could come up with uh, for AEW. So as you can tell, I really enjoyed this week in wrestling. And uh, we can move on to the redrew where I give my overall rating and impression of the shows this week. If you've been listening to the previous podcasts, you know that in this redrew segment where I give my overall rating and impression of the shows this week at wrestling, I have a different type of rating system. I don't use numbers, I don't use uh, letter grades, I don't do a star system. I put my own unique twist on it, um, and uh, uh, from listening to the, the, the rest of this podcast, I'm sure you can tell I really liked this week in wrestling. There was not a lot of negative to talk about. Uh, there was a whole bunch of positive. So all of these got positive ratings from me. I left off talking about AEW Dynamite. Um, so that is the first rating I am going to give. And I'm giving uh, AEW Dynamite this week the rating of Crispy Bacon. You can't really go wrong. It's enjoyable. It's satisfying. All of Dynamite was enjoyable. There was nothing really that I found that was super um off um yeah there was the weird ringside floor camera bleeping but other than that i mean that's all i could come up with so it was a very satisfying show um and that's what crispy bacon is for me it's really really satisfying uh let's move on to raw raw i think was probably the best show of the week it really set a good standard for what was uh, what was happening, and so I'm giving Raw the overall rating of a waterfall. I love waterfalls, um, and waterfalls, you know, it's continuously flowing of water, um, and it's just really uh, uh, enjoying. Uh, um, it's serene, you know, it's beautiful, it's relaxing. That's what Raw was for me. I didn't feel bored at any point. They did a good job of uh, using the same talent separated throughout the show. So, like, the the second hour um, was made up of mostly the same people in the first hour. Um, but it was really, really good, really enjoyable. Um, and uh, that's what uh, waterfalls are for me. It's a nice, you know, escape, um, something... Uh, that I just really, really like, and I really, really liked Raw, so uh, it gets a waterfall rating. Moving on to NXT. Um, NXT was mostly enjoyable. It can be slightly off. Uh, it was slightly off uh, every once in a while, a little bit with, um, you know, just a weird finish and the, the weird formatting with the announced team, but it had a lot of great stuff in it, so I'm giving NXT the rating of a dance break. Because that's what a dance break is for me. It's mostly enjoyable. Sometimes it's like a little weird, though. You know, every once in a while, uh, you get like one or two people who are a little off and not uh, in sync with what's going on during the dance break or the the uh, uh, group dance, and uh, or sometimes somebody's doing just like weird moves, and you're like, "What is that guy doing?" That's usually probably me. Actually, I do a lot of weird dance moves. But uh, anyway, uh, dance breaks are usually fun. NXT was fun for me, and uh, NXT usually isn't um, overly entertaining, uh, especially, like, comedic. This this episode was, and uh, so it was different. I really liked it, and I uh, also really liked uh, SmackDown. Um, And uh, there there was a couple of bumps in the road for SmackDown, a couple of weird things. Um, that I didn't uh, totally like uh, formatting-wise and writing-wise. But uh, it was enjoyable overall, and so I'm giving SmackDown the rating of laying out by the pool. Now, here's the thing for me. I can't swim, so swimming will never be a, a good uh, thing for me. It'll be a bad rating. But laying out by the pool is nice. It's relaxing. I find water calming. You know, I used the water twice here in uh, my ratings. I used the waterfall. And then I use the laying out by the pool. And sometimes when you're laying out by the pool, there's a, there's minor annoyances. You know, there's a, 
kids, you know, yelling, or maybe you get splashed every once in a while. There's the people who uh, save chairs by putting out their towels. You know, like, one person comes down and they put, like, towels out on, like, five different chairs. They're like, oh, no, 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 they're, they're coming. We're just saving it. It's like, come on, man. You're saving chairs for people who aren't here? It's ridiculous. Um, but that's besides the point. That's a, that's a <laughs> different podcast. Uh, that's probably something more I would talk about on the Perfect Catch podcast uh, well, with, my, uh, with my partner, Kara. So if you want to listen to that, that is... Uh, perfect catch podcast you gotta search it it's on uh, all podcasting platforms um facebook and instagram it's at perfect catch podcast twitter it's uh at perfect catch pod and then uh gmail is uh perfect catch podcast at gmail.com and you'll notice everything is uh that i post uh all, all roads lead back to the soundcloud page um, so that is why the Drew World Order podcast, what you're listening to now, is also on the SoundCloud page. Um, if you, uh, would like to support this podcast a little bit more, um, you can click the, uh, support link on that SoundCloud page or on the Anchor page, uh, I have for the Drew World Order podcast. Uh, there are two, uh, separate Anchor pages for the Perfect Catch podcast and the Drew World Order podcast, but there is one same SoundCloud page, um, so you can, uh, support, uh, on the, clicking, by clicking on the support links on the Anchor pages for each separate podcast, or the SoundCloud page, uh, if you just want a one-stop shop, um, if you want to send in any feedback or anything like that on this podcast, the Drew World Order podcast, you can, uh, send an email, uh, G, uh, it's at Gmail. Um, it is dwopod at gmail.com. Or you can reach out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, all at dwopod. Um, like the show, give it a follow, subscribe to the show, share the show, retweet the show, uh, leave a comment, leave a review, uh, send an email, whatever you want to do. Um, but uh, uh, that's all I got for today. Uh, hopefully uh, you enjoy this uh, shorter podcast-ish uh, for the Drew World Order. Um, it's a nice day out here for me, so I am going to go and enjoy the beautiful weather while we have it. And I hope your listening experience was Drew Sweet. <laughs>